episode three of the Big Chill Podcast, the opt-out situation. So in a really good week in sports, um, especially this weekend, everything seems to be back. So uh, what did you guys take on the weekend? Any fun things you watched, Eddie? Yeah, I mean, I tried. I watched a lot. I watched, um, I watched, started off by watching the NBA being back. So I watched a couple of the games on uh, over the weekend. I watched the golf. I watched the FA Cup final, a bit of the horse racing. So basically, apart from hockey, I basically, uh, basically got everything in. Yeah, I guess I did a little bit of what you did, except plus the hockey, minus uh, much of the NBA. I did watch a little of the NBA. I mean, I felt since it was back, I kind of had to watch a little, but uh, the golf I even was actually, exciting. I even actually watched some of the the Boston uh, Yankees series. So I even checked off some baseball as well. There you go. Well, it might be the only time you get to check it off when the league's canceled next week. So uh, how, about, how about you, Sam? Was it as fun as you remember, though, Eddie, the baseball? Um, I mean, the games themselves were actually pretty good. Um, they, they're, you know, like decent number of runs scored and they were sort of in the balance for a long time. The only thing I will say is in the, one of the games, like during the seventh inning stretch, they had someone singing, uh, it was like God bless America or something. And the audio is obviously off an album, I would guess. But then the person who was singing it had then recorded this weird, video where she was miming the lyrics as she sang in what seemed to be like her backyard and it was the production value on it was just so awful that i couldn't believe it was being shown like on the big screen like it, the fact that players were not laughing amazed me and just to think that it was being shown in in an albeit empty yankee stadium but then also in a nationally televised game and that whoever was involved in that was like this is good this is great people are gonna love it it's gonna really make them feel like the this atmosphere is back i mean if, if there's no fans why couldn't she just have literally sung it in her backyard <laughs> no idea no idea but it was it was it's truly terrible and then that followed by like uh take me out to the ball game just being played in an empty stadium afterwards <laughs> just kind of depressing there's been some there's some people have done like because obviously there's no fans so many sports have done so many different ways to improvise with the lack of fans and like that that seems pretty bad for one but then did you, did you see in uh, the UK Leeds United when they offered people uh, so they pay X amount of money and what they can do is they can have a picture of you know themselves or maybe their kid or something like that in the stands but the problem with giving British people things like that is most people so someone took a photo and they had Osama Bin Laden <laughs> as one of them and then next to Osama Bin Laden would be someone's <laughs> child where they've done it as like a genuinely lovely present and then below that would be like a picture of someone's dog <laughs> and we they kind of tore it apart but uh, yeah the um, oh, the dog is okay are you putting them on the same pedestal like non-human well, like the, the dog is obviously a surprise like you wouldn't normally see a dog sitting in the stands but it's not offensive like i could actually think that was kind of nice but yeah some of it laden is a bit of a push. <laughs> although you do know he was a big arsenal supporter so maybe uh is that know, true yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He, well, he, no, I he was. He I'm not, I'm not <laughs> watching the news. I just so or or knows. do you know something we don't? <laughs> yeah, two, I know two things. George Bush did 9-11 and Osama bin Laden is still alive. <laughs> okay, yeah, straight so into conspiracy theories. Fine. The, the, the NBA kind of did something similar, but it, is, are they do, is it like Zoom? Or yeah, it's it like some live kind of, it's Zoom fan or faces? Other, it yeah, looks yeah, so live. stupid. 
because some people are like really close to the camera. So it's a huge face and other people it's like way far back. So it's like, look at this guy with the huge head over here. I thought it was Eddie for a while. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I was going to try and beat you to it. But uh-huh. <laughs> did you, how long, how far ahead did you plan that one? You didn't have to. Anytime I say big head in my, in my head, I instantly think Eddie. <laughs> big head and donuts and Pringles. Wow. Instant Eddie joke. <laughs> what a for, me, I'd go, for me, I'd go tangy cheese Doritos. Wow. Make anything fun of else? Or that's your choice. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, just whilst we're on that topic, yeah, usually yeah, I'd go for that one. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah I mean, no. I, I start suggesting you guys watch the hockey because it was an awesome two days. And the, the best part was, I think people were concerned that the physicality wouldn't be there because you know you're coming off such a layoff but it would like these games these guys have been hitting like crazy and there's even been a good amount of fights more fights than i think would have been expected normally it's like they're overcompensating almost maybe because they're just so pent up with not playing for so many months maybe i I don't know but they were really physical some really good games the under has hit 20 out of 22 games so so it was a good thing to keep in mind sounds thrilling then (laughs) Yeah, well, I think you were goals I mean, expected. St- what a game! Well, you're still getting like four or five, but not eight or nine. It's not baseball. <laughs> yeah, when I was watching the Red Sox uh, Yankees game, at one moment they showed some stat. It was it was in it was in the game on Sunday night, and the Yankees scored a run, uh, like it was an RBI double, and the one of the one of the announcers said that's the first Yankees run that they'd scored. That wasn't the result of a home, that wasn't because of a home run in something like their last 22 runs. Like it was kind of crazy. <laughs> like, wow. That is crazy. I, I know Aaron Judge has what, like six home runs in eight games or something like that? Yeah. He's I gonna, think he's, he's going to break the record in 60. Yeah. I think he's really regretting so far that this is a shortened season. I mean, that's the thing I guess that's kind of got to suck for a lot of these sports is if you're just in your absolute prime this year, it could cost you millions and millions of dollars let alone you know that immortality aspect of you know having the home run record or having the goals record or something like that so that that is kind of unfortunate but i mean at least sports is back it's nice well, yeah baseball's baseball, back for now probably not yeah yeah baseball's back yeah. for about what three more days four more days yeah because we're obviously we're saying this in the context of yet another team having multiple players test positive so we're probably looking at what would seem like the end of the baseball season. Not I mean, multiple, 13. Be specific. Yeah, 13 yet again. The magic number again. 13. Because the, the thing that's the killer for the baseball season is it's obviously not only is that team out of, you know, unable to play for 14 days, it screws up the schedule of the team that was about to play them. It screws up the schedule of the team that just played them. It just, I don't know how you can keep doing this. I mean, I guess they're lucky again because... They're two teams that are not great, like slightly better than the Marlins, but still it's not as if they've knocked out. It's not like they would be knocking out one of the like main World Series contenders. But if it were to end up that this happens to the Yankees or happens to the Dodgers, then it just seems like it's going to have to stop at some point. Yeah. It's probably already over anyway, right? I mean, I saw it um, the other day. What was it, 18th postponement in like 10 days? And you just think that's not going to at any point slow down or stop. That's just going to keep getting postponed. That's going to tally up. It's going to keep going. And inevitably, there'll just be this critical mass where like this is a redundant season now. 
which must, going back to what Frank was saying, it must suck for players because, um, you know, to get it all started and hyped up again and, you know, see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel uh, just to be completely dashed within, what, days, a few weeks. Yeah, and also just from a, even just from a team perspective, if you're one of the teams that's really good this year, that's one more year gone. Everyone gets one year older. It, the contract situations might change in, in a year or two. So your window to win when you're really good is not always that big. So you might be looking at this stage where you thought, okay, we're primed to be very, very good for two, three years. And now that's being shortened to one, two, one or two years. Like that changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, especially with baseball too. That's one of those ones where you could have like, this is our season. And then next year, contract, contract, goodbye, goodbye. You're in a rebuilding season for the next eight years. You know, it's not hockey's one of those ones where you can kind of have a dynasty for a while football you can last a few years at least you know it's becoming less and less with the big free agency contracts but baseball is one of those ones I definitely think it's a lot of these teams are a one and done team I mean, you, and you see these teams that will win and then just completely dismantle their team you know like they were ready just for that one year so yeah I mean even I the national like you look at it the nationals won the world series several of their key players left like they have to feel even happier about having won that World Series because now it's like they're probably by the time all of this comes back together they're they're probably gonna be like a you know a shell of the team they had before. I mean, it must just screw over like next season as well, right? Because if they forfeit the season or whatever they do with it, it's all that kind of TV revenue probably gets forfeited, sponsorships get forfeited. I, I'm imagining this probably is a mess up for a good couple of years now. Yeah, financially speaking, I guess. But also then, I guess they could probably start the season again, you know, and just go, right, the season's done. We'll start the new one when it would usually start, I guess. But yeah, that's financially a, that's, speaking, that's, that's, almost a year, that's almost a year away, though. You know, oh. like you're not. Yeah. That's bad, though. Yeah. yeah. It's just, for me, the funny thing is, is you'll read about what they say they're going to do. And it's, it's, just becomes more and more evident that I don't think they have any clue almost as what they're doing. I feel every other league at least has a plan. I mean, you read this and they'll say, oh, well, they can't play for such and such games. So the team they're going to play is going to play this team instead for two days. Um, And then maybe they'll play this team if they have time for two days. It's like, I understand that you can't have these type of like what if scenarios, but the way that they're just running about this just shows me that there's no way this it's going to last. It, you, can't, you can't keep going like this where a team has games they're supposed to play another team for. Those get canceled, so they just pick up a random team to play. I mean, how, how many times can you do that? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, maybe we think that the other leagues have a plan in place because they just – I mean, obviously the NBA and hockey and even the MLS clearly have a plan in place because they were able to switch to a kind of like some sort of – like variations of a bubble approach. I don't know if necessarily like European football leagues, if their plans were that great, or they just got a little bit lucky that this never happened. And same for the champions league. I mean, the champions league is, is like a a bubble in a sense. I don't, but still, if one of those teams in the champion before the head of the champions league semifinal suddenly has six, seven players test positive, I don't know. You know, I think, Part of it is just hoping for luck. I don't know how good the NFL's plans are either. I mean, it kind of brings us on to the fact that like dozens of NFL players are opting out. So obviously a lot of the players don't think necessarily the plans are that great. But 
we'll have to see if how it actually impacts the season once it's actually when that once their games being played every week. How far are we away from it starting? NFL. Only just over a month, I, I guess. It's usually it's what mid September should be scheduled to start. Yeah, I mean they sh- they should be practicing doing training camps, I mean, really, really soon. I know that most of the player, like most of the rookies have signed and things like that. So I don't know what they're going to do with the whole training camp situation. I actually haven't seen much at all on that. If there's going to be mini bubbles for all the training camps. I mean, I know we've talked about this the last episode, but these football teams, they have such huge complexes that they can have a huge complex with a hotel almost next to it. You know, at least I know that the, the New York giants do, they can, basically stay in that hotel right next to their training complex and just go back and forth, you know, but I don't know if all teams are kind of making their own mini bubble situations for training camps or if the NFL is going to oversee it. Um, So that'll be interesting. And I think that's kind of what Eddie's saying too, is it'll be interesting to see leading up if there's already these cases before you even start kind of like champions league, if there's going to be cases striking before you actually get to the bubble in the champions league. Yeah. And I think if, if you have, if you, in a way, you probably want some stuff to happen ahead of time, which is what did happen in the European football leagues where you had players start to test positive in the initial quarantine period. And I think that helped them to maybe put some pl- things in place to try and reduce the spread. Um, but yeah, you don't want it happening. Like the NFL doesn't want week three, suddenly two teams to have, and maybe they can scrape it because maybe they can go, okay, this is going to be their buy. They basically can, each team can get maybe a one-week pass. It will be a nightmare for the schedule makers, but I guess if there's no fans attending anyway, redirecting a team isn't that big of a deal. But you can only do it, you can only realistically do it once per team, per seat, per, you know, per season. My my opinion so, on the um, opt-outs, I, I feel like it, well, I don't know, you guys might have a different opinion, but it feels a bit like there'll be a momentum to this as well. Like, if you see more people daily dropping out, then do you yourself start thinking, mm, what? not what do they know, but um, you know, is this truly something safe if so many of my kind of peers and you know, people in competitive teams think this isn't safe? You know, and they might yeah. have their own personal reasons like family high risk or stuff like that, which is completely understandable. But I, you kind of feel with some of these sports that other people dropping out will just snowball other people dropping out and then it's going to collapse the season anyway. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part of the controversy right now, you know, that has come up is that there's word that the NFL, so supposedly you were going to have until, um, what was it? The player's agreement was finalized. You would have a week or something to decide if you're going to opt out, but because there's so many people already opting out, the NFL has, given the thought to kind of putting a much quicker deadline on, I think it was almost to be like next week, either you have to decide or not because they could be fearful that a lot of people are going to start opting out. And I mean, even today, for instance, there's been three more people that have opted out. Um, And for those who I guess aren't aware what's going on is um, the NFL is giving players the option. If they don't feel safe or comfortable, they can opt out of the season. And if they're found to be at high risk, and that's why they're opting out. They can make 350000 And if otherwise, if they're not high risk, but they just don't want to play anyway, they get like 150000 So I guess the fear is you're going to have these people, players that are on the bubble of making the roster, but they're on the roster right now. And then they can just say like, oh, I'm opting out. And they can make their 150 go home and not have to 
be on the practice squad getting their ass kicked all day, which I mean, is, is, isn't a bad move. You can opt out, go home with your 150 K train like an animal all year, then just come back to next season. So, you, you know, I guess the NFL should be worried a little, but at the end of the day, you have to take the player's safety first and foremost and let them make the decision. I mean, there are a lot of truthful decisions being made. I mean, we discussed, I think Nate Solder last week, you know, he had, cancer and his his son i think had cancer there's a lot of other people where family members had had uh cancer or high risk and you don't want to uh kind of risk being around them in case you get it so i mean there are a lot of valid circumstances so it's, it's a tricky situation who's been um who's dropped out today uh so the main big one that dropped out today was one of the starting offensive tackles for the denver broncos um he was in his second year of a four-year, $51 million deal. So uh, that was uh, Jawan James. I mean, there's been, I mean, a ton of, like, if we just go down the list real quick here, you got, like, uh, C.J. Mosley, Marquise Lee, um, John Atkins, Damian Williams, Nate Solder, Devin Funches, uh, Jordan Mack, Marquise Goodwin. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Uh, Chung, Patrick Chung. You yeah, know what? No, no Niners as of yet. They're going to just opt out as a team because they know they're not going to win this year anyway. So just getting primed, so just, just getting primed for, for, for winning it all. No opt outs. And what's the conspiracy, Eddie, with all the Patriots opting out? Didn't you say there's like a conspiracy to it? The well, there wasn't right. like a real conspiracy theory to it, but it was this, it was more just that Belichick will seize the, seize this opportunity to basically, it gives them the cap space that they needed to bring in one or two like clear areas of weakness. And there are a few relatively big free agents still available. And so the, the argument is that not that they encourage players to opt out, but that this will actually be a benefit to them. And it's basically kind of worked in a way, right? Where they're, they're almost all defensive players who've opted out, which was their area of strength. So they have more chance to cover up for that and then to put more weapons around Cam Newton or more protection around Cam Newton through some change, some more moves in their roster that they otherwise were not going to be able to make. And also bring in one or two even marquee defensive free agents who are still, who are still floating around. I mean, do, does, does, is there like a critical mass for an NFL team where if they have enough people uh, opting out, uh, like are they, well, just, here's the are only they thing just expected you, to field players? Like regardless. Here's, here's the only thing you could argue. There might be some positions, like already the running back position in the NFL, right, has taken a hit over the last few years because basically people have accepted that you can just sort of plug and play almost any running back. And unless you have one of the top two or three, it really doesn't make that much difference as long as everything else around them is good. Like if the scheme itself and the, and the, you know, the, the plays themselves are good and you have, a good, you have a good line, then basically any running back can kind of do some sort of a job. What this opt-out might maybe will expose a few other positions because obviously some players are going to play NFL games who definitely otherwise would not have done. So that would be, I mean, that's the thing is you have heard some, even some NFL executives have basically accused the players of at times trying to use this to their own advantage, but clearly all of the risk is on the player side. Yeah. I think the owners are fine, right? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not, no, no, not going to more... get COVID. <laughs> It was more, I think you've had some, and you can kind of get maybe some of the frustration, but you have some of the executives who think if you were going to opt out, you could have made up your mind already. And 
So these kind of like staggered opt-outs as the as they trickle towards the deadline. They could have just decided, you know, a week or two ago, all right, that's a pretty good offer. I'm in a situation where I can't take the risk. I'm opting out and taking the money. And so I think some of the, when you listen to some of the comments coming out, which a lot of the times is those sort of unnamed source from NFL team says that uh, players aren't acting in good faith. There's been a few of those accusations, but when you really think about it, it's the players. I mean, if a guy opts out of his contract and whoever comes in does incredibly well, that guy is not coming back. <laughs> like they, I don't know why they think there's no guarantee for any of these players who leave that they're ever getting an NFL job again. Yeah, not no, that's of, true. I mean, not because they're yeah. being blacklisted, but it's just because, look, if someone comes yeah. and takes your takes your place, who's to get? Well, the NFL has no. The NFL has never blacklisted before, so. No, yeah, no. <laughs> no, that would be that would be totally unheard of for the NFL to ever think that they, for some non-footballing reason, wouldn't wouldn't put a player on a roster. No, but I think yeah, but I think going back to what Sam said, I mean, you know, maybe you're seeing the staggering because it's exactly that. You know, people maybe weren't so sure they didn't want to be the only one, they didn't want to be the first one, but now that they see it, now they're getting more and more comfortable, or maybe that they see other people are doing it and they really step back and say like, whoa, maybe I wasn't taking this seriously. You know, I'll talk to my doctor or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think that's why you're seeing more and more of it. And I think we're going to still see some more until it's the deadline hits. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another few big players. Yeah. And I mean, also you put, if you look at the Patriots situation, you also might get to a point when you're a Patriots player and you're seeing all your teammates opt out where you start to think we might suck this year. I'll just take the $150,000 to not have my body destroyed on a weekly basis and end up at best winning the division and losing in the first round of the playoffs. Especially if you're a defensive player and you're, you think to yourself, oh man, as a unit, we're going to struggle now. So this is not going to be fun. And so I just want no part of this for this year. So if you're on the Jets, are you opting out this year? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, they have players actively trying to, like, you know, getting filmed saying they want to get traded. I see no difference between that and opting out. It's going to be like that Vontae Davis situation, like when he retired at halftime. Yeah. Where he, I was, mean, just like, I can't, where he was just like, I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> see you guys. That was actually, there was a huge article on that. It was, it was a really interesting article about he just literally was just decided he couldn't do it. He wasn't into it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know. I read that that like piece. Maybe, yeah. I think it was on ESPN where they kind of spoke to him about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, it was just like a like breaking point, and I just realized I could not go back out there, and <laughs> just like yeah. I'm done. Sorry." Which I get because he was kind of basically saying that he wasn't competing anymore at a level that he was happy with. But you would have thought yeah, you I, didn't need to leave the stadium. I, I mean, you, you <laughs> could have just. just Walk out. <laughs> he could have said he could have just said hey guys I, I cannot play the rest of this game and then retired after the game that probably would have been the move versus just putting your regular clothes back on walking out at halftime and driving away from the stadium mid-game <laughs> kind of like probably, into the sunset <laughs> yeah that being yeah. said I've probably I've thought about quitting jobs in similar ways so I, I can't blame him for that <laughs> but I mean, I guess the, I would the really love to just, yeah, just halfway through a meeting, just, you just yeah, stand just up and be like, I'm really walk. sorry, guys, I cannot do this anymore. Uh, I think <laughs> that's the best part. 
<laughs> like, well, I'd be retiring from that company, right? Like, not for not for life. Yeah, I've got nowhere near enough income, but it doesn't matter. I just can't do this. It's yeah, just... yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be quite as as sort of uh, as emphatic as him because I'd still be like, I'm going to leave, but I I wouldn't mind uh, negotiating some deal before I walk out, guys. But as far as we, just everyone remember that I quit during this meeting. Yeah, and, and, and you also don't have like a locker room. You'd have to be in your Zoom meeting and just start taking your suit off. <laughs> Guys, I'm done. <laughs> just getting naked on the Zoom. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do that anyway, but I don't for work. say for work. Yeah, exactly. I don't say I'm quitting. <laughs> you, you, well, you don't even tell them. You just start slowly undressing. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> end of the day. If a meeting runs over, you know, if it gets, goes past 6.30, I just give them a clear sign that I have mentally checked and physically checked out of that meeting. Eddie's got that Friday feeling. <laughs> and it's only 12.30 on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> this is a serious meeting. Could you put your shirt back on, please? No, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I yeah, mean, so the I thing mean... is, I become, I become less and less optimistic about the possibility of there being a complete NFL season. The more you yeah, see the troubles... Actually... That's what MLB. I was just gonna say. You say a month left, right? It's a little worrisome. Well, and I mean, obviously, think... that's the sport I want to come back the most. Yes. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing: is they could just do something crazy, like kind of coffee, copy the UFC style, right? And and have the fight island concept and like the football NFL, island. Oh, I thought you meant like the concept of the sport rather than yeah, what yeah, they're, they're doing. Just, yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? Let's, let's just have kind of leave mortal combat. We'll just do scenarios. one v one each <laughs> yeah. team. Like, like as if it was like a, a, a war from ancient times where they're like, we're going to avoid the slaughter. Each team is just going to nominate one player and we're going to do some Alabama drills. And that's, that's how we're going to decide the outcome of these games. Yeah. We're going to go but to no. a neutral location and it's called the cage. <laughs> But no, I was just thinking, like, why not just send them to, like, just go to New Zealand or something, some place where they have all of the facilities necessary to play every every NFL game, but much lower risk, and you just you just treat the treat like the two islands of New Zealand as your bubble. That would actually that would be really interesting. They'll never do it, and also it would be yeah, they'll never do it, but it would be interesting. I mean, we got what a month left, right? And let's say three a day is a what two to three a day is a sensible average of dropout. Well, I mean, no, they. I, I know it's I, not working like that because they've got this cutoff. But yeah, you the would probably soon. assume you would probably assume that there's a lot more coming that are making a decision at the last minute, probably seeing what other people do, still having chats, etc. You probably see a spike pretty large by the last couple of days before they have the opt out. And then the problem is, like, does the does the season become like less? A lot of people said it about kind of the Premier League season that, you know, is, is it a bit redundant now because there's no fans and stuff like that. But is that the same with the NFL? Like if everyone knows that there's a strong team, but all of a sudden they've lost five of their key players, does the season then become a little bit more hollow, I guess? Would For me, point? no. Assuming you play a 16-game regular season and you play a full playoffs, to me, it's the same. It's no different to having injuries. It's no different to a guy holding out for contractual reasons. It happens in the NFL every year. So it's no different. That being said, if you suddenly had some weird shortened season where it was like, well, you play four regular season games and then there's an expanded playoffs and you go into that, I would still be really happy if, if my team won. And if I were a player, I would treat it as still being just as important as any other season. But 
if you're not in that, you'd just say it was a little bit more random. Like even baseball has that issue, right? You've shortened the games to 60, you shortened the season to 60 games. Part of the criticism of that was almost any team in the in the in like major league baseball could go on a, a run of 10, like a, of 10 games where they win eight. And if you do that in the 60 game season, you've put yourself in the playoff contention. Whereas in a normal season, you'd, you could still finish, you know, dozens of games back from winning your division. And the same, I guess, yeah. the same argument for the NHL. You've had these expanded playoffs. NH, like NHL playoffs are always kind of random. Like there's a pretty good chance of an upset in the NHL playoffs. So you could maybe like throw a kind of asterisk in for whoever. Yeah, and I think with the NFL too, you have a lot of players opting out, but we haven't seen that huge, huge player yet. I mean, you've seen big names. They're starters. They're good. They're they're helping their team win, but you haven't seen like the five-time pro bowler or, you know, the guy who is the difference maker on defense really drop out yet. And I don't know if we'll see that level. That would, that would kind of shock me if we saw, you know, someone of the level, even of a decent starting QB to opt out for anything other than a health reason, like a direct health reason. Like I, I don't, I'm wondering now I'm thinking about it. Oh, he doesn't play anymore. Does he Cutler? Because he had type 1 diabetes. He would be at a high risk. No, he doesn't play. He retired. Yeah, so that would have been an interesting one. And that where the Bears probably would have won had they not had Trubisky and had Cutler drop out. I'm just going to go out on a limb. And, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that, that Cutler is not the only player in the NFL with diabetes. There's not many with type 1, though. Type 1, know. maybe not. But, yeah, I, I don't – I haven't I seen that big player I think there might be a few yet, offensive so think... li- or defensive linemen who might have it, though. <laughs> I think Probably. He might be the only starting quarterback who had diabetes, but I think there might be a few other guys in there on, in 300 pounds plus who, who may have it. No, those guys are super healthy. <laughs> but until, but speaking, until we have that, speaking of I don't NFL think it players, the, the really big story from the NFL this week it was Tom Brady's birthday. And as a result of it being Tom Brady's birthday, a piece of news came out, which Ooh. is that Tom Brady still uses an iPhone 6S. Why? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, before you get into this, what are we at now? 11, right? 11, yeah. yeah. So, the six, s- so the 6S. Was, was 6S that one that had that little black bar on the bottom and the back, or was like the two-tone in the back? It had the, bar, the small, slim bar, yeah. Yes. The six, yep. okay. the six, the six S came oh out in God. September, September of 2015. Now, here's the only thing I'm going to say: Deflategate happened in uh, in January of 2015. And as part of Deflategate, right, he had to turn in his phones, and then he claimed he like lost his phones and stuff. So, is this like a slight troll job from Brady? Is that is he like trying to send some funny joke that that this was like the missing phone that he couldn't turn in? Maybe he's or, stuck into like a five-year deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Verizon just got him by the balls right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is your fourth conspiracy, Eddie, of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> conspiracy corner. You know, we've got we've each got our corner. Mine's the conspiracies. Yep. You don't believe in the virus. We won't get into Frank's. We'll let, we'll let people can use the comment section of uh, of our episodes or or go to Instagram or Twitter to to let us know what they think Frank's corner is. I wonder how I would make a corner of not believing the virus. Would I just like splurge all the news that would be somehow against the, is, is, I, I guess that's how I would make the corner. Yeah, you'll yeah. just sit in the corner, you know, 
filling literal, yourself in a literal corner in a literal corner yeah <laughs> just filling yourself with uh anti-malaria uh medication and um you know like maybe there's some uv uv lights just shining on you all the time or just some weird like voodoo kind of stuff as well what's the um, what's that hydrocoxiquine the hydrocoxiquine yeah the anti-malaria drug is that what it's, is that what it is i yeah, just know it's anti-malaria as you know i can't really pronounce the term <laughs> Yeah. Okay, okay, that's a pretty good one. It's not going to do my rep any good, but, you know, for the podcast. Eddie, right? speaking, speaking of our corners, I do have a Frank's Top 5 list for you, if you want to do that now. Favorite iPhones? It, it is, no, it is soccer-related, so we could use it to transition into All right, the, go for uh, it. the Champions League. Is this, okay. is this you telling us your Top 5, or are you going to ask us no. our Top 5? It's gonna no. It's gonna be similar to what we did last week. Oh, we're gonna have to guess a top five. Yeah, it's gonna guess a top five. We, we can let's wait until we get a little momentum with the top five till I start rattling off my top five random things. Like, ice are you cream implying, are you implying like. that? Are you implying that people don't care? This seems like a mess already. <laughs> so, in honor of my prediction of the FA Cup coming true. On who would score no. during oh, the match. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's important. Oh, wow. <laughs> that really bold, wait, Obama Yang prediction? Oh, Pulisic, you mean? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulisic, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well done. Top five Premier League goal scorers, Americans. Uh, okay, number one oh. is oh, number one's Clint Dempsey. Number one is Clint Land- Dempsey. Landon Donovan? Oh, I don't know if I'd throw Landon Donovan in there. Landon Donovan is not on the list. Yeah. Um, I would say wait, Brian wait, wait, Mc... wait, let me start first. So okay. Dempsey has 57 goals. Okay. Number two gonna... drops to 36. Okay. I'm going to say Brian McBride is in the top five. Brian McBride is your number two American goal scorer in the Premier League with 36 goals. Okay. Played for Everton and Fulham. Yeah, on to it's... number three. It drops now, from 36 goals to three, <laughs> 13. <laughs> 13. Oh, Lucky 13. 13 coming back I mean, again. That could be. It could be uh, Pulisic. You should know who it is. It could be Pulisic, yeah. yeah. Eddie in particular should know who it is. No, it's not Pulisic because he's only played in Premier League he's, this season. I know, but I would have thought if we've already dropped it. If we're already at 13 scoring. for number three, number five has got to be under 10. I would have and thought. also, he had a solid season. So wait, I in particular should know who he is. So you're implying that he played for Blackburn. He did play for Blackburn. An American who played for Blackburn in an outfield position? Because Brad Friedel is the obvious one, but I don't think Brad Friedel scored, <laughs> scored 13 Premier League goals. He did have that one. He did score a Premier League goal, but I don't think he, don't think he got another 12 anywhere else. An American Oh, Jones? No. I, I, I. Oh, this is good. I'm going to lose. I'm going to talk about corners. Okay, so, so, num- so number three, and then number four is Pulisic. He has okay. nine. Oh, okay. I see. I, when I said him, I was just implying he was in the top five. No, no. He, yeah, yeah. He's number four. So you have okay. number three and number five. I think someone actually said number five as well. Oh, uh, Sam's original guess. Who is your which was, guess, Sam? Uh, Landon Land- Donovan. Landon Donovan. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, That's Jermaine Jones. Land- Landon Donovan had two goals. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> That's really bad because he actually was quite prominent at Everton. He only had 17 appearances <laughs> in Everton. Nielsen. So, okay. Who did right, who did so number five? Who did number five play for? Everton, and it looks like the early two thousand. It's not another American. No, 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 no. For some reason, I was going to say Freddie Adu, but he didn't come over, did he? No, I don't no. think so. Yeah, I'm not. Can he go to it. China or something? Um, who? Who did you say? Uh, Freddie Adu. Uh, who? Who Freddie else was Adu? I thinking? No, he. Freddie I'm, Adu, I'm more like... going on. Um, like. That's football manager knowledge. Someone like Jose Altador or someone like that, but I don't think he was in the Premier League either. Who did number so five num- play for? Everton. Number five played for Everton. Number three played for Rovers and Coventry City. So it was... Mm, it's f- and that was way back when, the number three. It looks like early 1990s. Yeah, so start of the Premier League. For the Everton player, I'll, I'll guess Joe Maxmore. It is Joe Maxmore. <laughs> Number five with eight Max. goals. Wow, what a what a career! Three is gonna really bug me. Wait, Coventry? Obviously. Did you say Coventry and Blackburn? Yeah. Yep. Which means that he must have been part of the Blackburn Premier League winning side. Was he there in ninety four, ninety five? I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. I give up. Roy Wagerly. I didn't know he was American. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it difficult. <laughs> Was he really American? I hope there's like a conspiracy. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, but I guess it's one of those issues is that he was probably, in terms of remembering him a play for the United States, I was probably too young. Yeah. He wasn't, he, he was would, not part ooh, of the Premier League winning wait, side. There is a little controversy. He was born and raised in South Africa and naturalized as a U.S. citizen in 1991 and then played for the U.S. national team 41 times from 1992 to 1998. Did he play in the 98 World Cup? Uh, I would assume so if it said he played for the national team. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know he was American. There you go. Always Top learning. five. With nine goals, he's already the number four player. <laughs> Will yeah. he be number one by the end? Wait, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay, yes. No, bold prediction. No, he will not because he's no longer playing. No, no. Pulisic. <laughs> Oh, oh well. Oh, okay. he's number four. Your, your explanation was terrible. Yeah, that was that was not clear at all. Is he gonna? You have is, to, you have to follow four? my train of thought. Yeah, I mean, next next up, question for you guys: Will Pele be the top scorer yeah. in the twenty twenty two World Cup? This Cup? man in his early fifties smashed the all time American goal scoring record. Hot take coming up after this break. Brought to you by Casper mattresses. <laughs> And you know why he's still able to play in his 50s? Because he sleeps on a wonderful mattress by Casper. (laughs) I hate hate everything you're doing. But we need the right sink. Just the right sink. Just the right bounce. The kind of sleep that will keep you going well into your 60s. Are you reading? No, I don't mean alive. I mean playing professional sports. No free ads. That should be that should be the Casper slogan. Average life expectancy 62. But uh, yeah, uh, will he will he break the record? I would say fifty-seven is what he's got to catch with Clint Dempsey. I would say he has a very good chance of doing so. Right? It depends. But basically, it's a question of does he does he stay, stay in the Premier League for the remainder of his career, or at least the majority of it? If he plays in the Premier League for 
10 seasons, you'll break the record. Chelsea are pretty, well, well, of recent times anyway, Chelsea have been pretty easy to get rid of people. So it's, not, it's hardly like Mourinho's Chelsea where he had the same backbone team for like five, six years. So, like, yeah, I mean, he turns 22 next season, so you would think. Yeah. But, but who knows? Maybe he goes back to Germany. Maybe he goes to the MLS once the MLS has become a huge thing. Speaking wow, of, we've, um, we've talked about the MLS twice today and we haven't mentioned it the first two episodes at all. I'm, I'm, well, I heard from the fans, you know, they, I got flooded with emails and tweets and you heard and they were from just saying, fan. yeah, he was very persistent. He sent me, <laughs> he sent me a lot of messages. And, I'm pretty sure he's just a bot. No, no, no. It was, I think I'm pretty sure it was David Beckham. He just wanted us to cover the MLS a little bit more. He needs a little bit more press coverage. So is yeah, he the he, one that, was he the one that told you that the play is pretty comparable? Yeah, he said, he said, yeah, he said it, it's just as good, if not better. How's this new franchise are, coming along? Didn't they lose recently? Yeah, they're not doing tremendously well, no. Have they got but anyone sure. good? I haven't seen any sort of like their senior. Like usually it's, all the teams in the MLS have like one, what they call it, like a, um, it, it's kind of when they're allowed out of their wage bill, aren't they? And they're allowed to just spend as much money on. Yeah, they're, they're marquee player or, yeah. or whatever, whatever they call it. I guess looks can only take you so far. You can't run a. Well, no, you know David Beckham. He, uh, he, you, you shouldn't doubt him. He, he has a history of of bouncing back from from disappointing starts. <laughs> so we can, I guess, use this to transition into Chelsea, and their defeat in the FA Cup final. Yeah. So any discussion on that or. Should we say that they're going to rebound and win Champions League instead? Well, that's well, they're, they're... well. On top of the fifty-year-old American player, I'm also going to say that they're not winning the Champions League unless they bring him back. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I get told that he is playing this weekend against Bayern Munich, they don't stand a chance. Yeah. But if they do quickly sign him, if UEFA allows them to bring him in just for the Champions League campaign, <laughs> he he might become the all-time leading scorer in the Champions League in just a handful of matches. But no, they've got they've got fundamentally no chance. Yeah, they. No, they're playing they're playing Bayern. They're already three 0 down on aggregate, and they're in Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> so the chances of them overturning that at the best of times slim to none. Then you factor in they had several injuries to quite key players on and in the FA Cup final, so they're missing. You know, Aspilicueta, who we would argue is like their defensive leader. They're missing uh, Pulisic. Mm-hmm. So you you know you you've got key players out for them. Yeah, they have no chance. If they're at a two percent chance of winning, they're at a naught with the injuries as well. So two percent would have been generous. I think two percent. I saw officially they have a they have a one in fifty of going through at the moment. But the thing is, Bayern over the past what ten years have they destroy English clubs. It's it's a really strange thing where, what was it, they played Spurs last season and absolutely trounced them. Uh, they're frequently smashing Arsenal, um, normally by 4-5 nil every Yeah, time I mean, they've managed to avoid playing the cream of the Premier League crop, it has to be said. But they, Well, they play no, next, I mean, don't they? If they both go through, Man City and Bayern would be the semi, right? Yeah, and I would make City favorite. So wait, can we just, just go back? No. How are they? How are they running? How are they running this? So are they gonna play so, the second 
the second match of the aggregate yeah, so at wherever they were supposed to, and then no, do like, this bubble thing. They're all in Germany. And then, or, or are they going to Germany no, after this match? They, wait, is it, no, Europa League is Germany, Champions League is Portugal, I think, is okay. Lisbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, they're bubbling it. Um, yeah. But are they, are they bubbling like this second no, match? No, the first, the first match is being played in, they're finishing the second leg in the venue in which it was supposed to be played. Yeah, okay. and then if but we go on to, fans. and then for the semifinals and final, it's a bubble. Yeah, and is Which, it going to be a bubble in the sense that they're there the entire time and they're going to play them like one weekend back to back or something? No, they're still separated by this, but I guess it's not too much. You, managing the bubble is pretty small because it'll only be two teams hanging around for a week. Okay, because you lose, you go home. You know. Yeah, two yeah. semifinals and a final. Yeah, there's there's no like third place playoff or anything like that. So um, it's a pretty simple one to do. It would have been unfair on the second Europa, leg home teams to be given a neutral venue when the other team had home advantage because there's there's quite a few games still. You would say roughly on a knife edge like Napoli, Barcelona, uh, Juve, Lyon, and you would say home field advantage matters or like home venue matters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the Europa uh, League. The Europa League is more complicated because Europa, you're just wrapping up and moving into the quarterfinals. So they've yeah. got more to go, and that's a more significant shift in the change in which the, in which the, uh, competition's being played. Although they had shifted because some matches for the teams that hadn't played, there, um, you know, like for them it's even more complicated because some of the teams hadn't played their first leg. Of this round so that makes it even more complicated yeah but. there's some pretty dead rubber ones in that one though isn't there like wolves are already through inter are through no no wolves drew one all with olympiacos i still see i still see yeah but you're not you know like yeah 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 okay that's true it's, it's not a shoe in like but united are are definitely through inter um, through. no inter inter are starting afresh Inter are, are United favorite to win Europa? Still got their opening game. Uh, I think Inter are favorites, betting favorites at the moment. Okay. I think United are second in the in the odds, I believe. But, um, that would be a good matchup if that was the finals. It could be the final. Yeah, you'd say, you'd argue that um, you know. So as it plays out, you would expect it to be a semi-final of say United versus Sevilla or Roma or Wolves if Wolves really. Um, do well, and then you're looking at Inter in a semi-final against a, a less spectacular side. Inter have a pretty easy path through to the final, relatively speaking, if they can get through against Tetefe. But after that, yeah. it's pretty straightforward for them. I mean, man, relatively man, speaking, and, man, you and Inter would be a a pretty good draw for Europa League. I mean, that's got to be a a pretty good final in comparative terms to what it usually is. Yeah, you do have the seasons where it is very good, but it's true that there's some, some, some years you, you don't feel like either of the teams would, be, would make a list of the top teams in Europe, whereas this time around you could argue that both, on, particularly on current form, if you're taking United over the past, like since the restart, you're probably looking at two of the top 20 teams in Europe. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it would be a good final. But then, uh, you know, there's also every possibility that you're looking at a final with Olympiacos 
against Wolfsburg. And then it doesn't seem quite so exciting. <laughs> Rangers. Wow, I can get into that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what but, about the so Champions League then? So I mean, you think City are free? You think Madrid can do anything to overturn that two one? Um, I mean, I think City are through. I mean, when I say I th- they, they, they obviously a two one aggregate lead. They're not through based on that. But I think with that in mind, you're talking about them, you know, uh, even conceivably being able to, you know, draw and go through. I think that they, I would be surprised if they were if they went out. It's difficult. It's a hard one to judge because both teams are in a better situation than they were pre lockdown. Real Madrid hit really good form in when La Liga restarted. And then for Man City, they got Laporte back. So in a weird way, you'd say both teams probably feel more confident than they would have done if they'd played this when it was first played. But you, it, it has to hurt City more because you don't have the momentum of having recently beaten Real Madrid away from home. And now you kind of feel like you're starting afresh. So it wouldn't stun me if Real Madrid. This is their best chance the to win it, in my, I think. So I, I, I think they'll. I think Madrid will go at them naturally. I think having no fans in the stadium probably favors Madrid as well because you're, you're basically near on at a neutral venue, I guess, as close to. But I still think City are good. City looked too good the last like five games at the end of the season, and I just think that will continue. So I, th- I think City will win probably maybe by the same score again. It's probably what I'll go with, like two one. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think this is 100% City's best chance to win the Champions League in a long time. I mean, that's being said, obviously, they lost to Spurs in the latter stages of their competition um, before. So it's not like they, it's not as if they, sort of always been crashing out early on. But you, you'd have to say they're one of the more informed teams. If they win this, they're playing either Lyon or Juventus in the next round. You, I would assume it will be Juventus, even though they have to under, overturn the one the one nil defeat in the first leg, but I still think it would be Juventus. Juventus haven't looked great. I mean, I was going to Juventus... say they haven't, they haven't looked very good recently. I don't know if they can overturn that. Well, the thing, the thing that's tough is difficult and it might hurt them, but basically in the end, right, they ended up winning Syria by one point, but fundamentally they, they really won it by about nine points and then stopped playing and their gap, you know, they rested players. They clearly weren't playing. They obviously had their, you know, thoughts on no one getting hurt before the Champions League came back, which makes total sense. But you do wonder about those teams if you can go from playing in second or third gear to suddenly having to play in fifth gear when you need to. And, you know, you would argue that PSG have shown that that's almost impossible at times. You know, like that's what PSG try and do. They cruise through league on games for most of the season and then suddenly they have to play they get to the, even in you know the group stages of the Champions League, they can kind of be in cruise control, and then they get to the knockout stages, and they have to play two matches in fifth gear, and they can't do it, or at least they're unaccustomed to the scenarios in which they're going to be faced with. Juventus at least won't struggle with that aspect, but it might well, guess, be tough for them the flip mentality. I guess that that would bring my question: is do you, does PSG have a shot? Um, I think Mbappe is supposed to be back though it seems based on everything coming out that Mbappe is back. If Mbappe isn't back, I mean, they're lucky. They're playing Atalanta, who are a good team and who obviously were They really look good consistent. this year. Yeah, right? they were and, super and consistent even, this year. And they came back pretty well, I think. They've been playing pretty but, hot recently. 
but, but they're still not a top like quality. That. Yeah, they're not a top quality team. So you'd still kind of feel like PSG have the luxury in playing at Atalanta that they can probably be a little bit subpar. Like if Mbappe's out, I would still make PSG favorites. Whereas had you told me that PSG had been playing City in the next round and potentially without Mbappe, I would rule them out. This way, at least. And I mean, PSG have actually quite a nice... PSG are on the right side of the draw because they have Atalanta in this round and then they play the winner of Leipzig or Atletico Madrid. Both of whom, again, are good teams, but you would not put in that sort of upper echelon of European teams. Whereas you look on the other side where you have Real Madrid, City, Juventus, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, all on the other half of the draw, clearly PSG are on the... On the on the on the better side. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think it's hurt them? I, I ask this because I just have this image of PSG being the laziest group of players I've ever seen. Do you think it hurts? Do you think it hurts them that they've had such a layoff? And I can't imagine half of these guys are sitting at home being like, "I need to stay focused for Champions League." I just see this is the type of team I see that they're going to get a text message the night before being like. Hey, you know you got to be at the hotel in the morning for Champions League, and they're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> um, you know, definitely, they definitely are a group of probably, relatively speaking, quite lazy players, who many of whom seem to enjoy their life off the football pitch about as much as they enjoy it on it. So, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely that aspect. I mean, they've since the obviously it's like the the French restart was the weirdest one because they they ended the regular the actual season. But then they've come back over the last couple of weeks to play these two cup finals. Yeah. So PSG have played two competitive matches in the past two but, weeks. But how did they look? They looked quite bad in both. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. played the first one. They played Saint-Étienne. They played against 10 men for sort of 75 minutes and they won 1-0. And Saint-Étienne arguably had as, yeah. almost as many good chances as PSG had. Then they played Lyon in the second one. And... It was, I mean, it was incredibly, if the, if, if you thought the FA Cup final was dull, it looked incredibly exciting compared to what PSG Lyon managed to turn out. I mean, it was an awful match that then nil-nil went to penalties. Yeah. That Saint-Étienne um, game was fantastic though, because it's like, oh, here's French football back just for a couple, but back. And within 15 minutes, they're, they're fighting. <laughs> they're just on the pitch fighting. And yeah. it, it, you just wouldn't see it like um, you wouldn't see it traditionally on a football pitch, of course. But it was just so surreal, just being like, "Oh, they're back! They must be really keen." Oh no, they're just going to beat the crap out of each other. For well, the issue that was that was right, which I think PSG can probably. I mean, I'm not going to defend Neymar for his tendency to roll around on the pitch too much, but definitely when PSG play matches against a lot of other French teams, clearly one of the tactics is just to kick Neymar and Mbappe. And so when you do really watch the matches, they do take a lot of sort of like, sort of nothing, often nothing horrific, although the challenge on Mbappe that got the red card was not a good challenge. But it is just a lot of like someone leaving a foot in or being a little bit late. And they're just kind of all these sort of little niggling attempts. And over the course of 90 minutes, they obviously add up. And uh, now probably encouraged by the fact that Mbappe then rolls around on the floor for five minutes after they happen each time, but it's not great, but we'll, we'll have to see. It's definitely as I, the draws. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to say like, I put PSG as favorites to, to make the final. 
based on who they have to play, assuming I mean, Mbappe yeah. is fit. Yeah, they've got to be Atletico. That's that's basically their route to the final. Right? And when, and you, you have to say this: if if Neymar and Mbappe aren't happy about getting kicked in a regular French league match, match, when Diego Simeone draws yeah. up a plan, <laughs> yeah. He's not going to take it easy on them. I mean, so. Klopp, Klopp leveled so much at Simeone, didn't he, when they beat them in that game? So, yeah, he's absolutely going to kick them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Simeone's not, you know, they don't play attractive football. It's very physical. Um, so, you know that the, every trick, every little trick up his sleeve, he's going to pull out in, in those ones. And you don't blame them. It's it's like getting in a, like a drag race and one of you's in a, you know, like a some fiat and the other one's in a ferrari like there's there's you're not going to win if you just try and you know floor it and hope for the best and that's not to that's not to call say that the atletico madrid team doesn't have talented players in them in it but it's not the same quality as they're often playing in the in the champions league level i, mean, I was yeah. hoping you could at least do uh national nationality level cars oh but <laughs> We'll give you a minute to think about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take a while before I can think of a Spanish car manufacturer, to be honest. Maybe there is a really big one. And maybe there is a really big one, but uh, off the top of my head, I cannot think of a Spanish car manufacturer. Uh, and then you have to think of a legitimate French one. Well, you'd, I, I mean, a oh. legitimate French one is easy enough, but not oh, thinking sure. of one that you'd associate with speed. That can't be yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, that's you know, it's, I mean. It's, it's tough when, I mean, if you reverse it, it's, and it was the same as Juve against BSG, it's, oh, it's hard for Juve because they're driving a Ferrari and, and, uh, <laughs> and PSG are driving a Peugeot 306. There's only um, one winner there. Uh, it could have worked out. Uh, say it. Put that in your there back you pocket. There's your Spanish car manufacturer, Say it. Oh, Say it or Spanish? Well, I there think, you go. Yeah. And there you go. That's the perfect. Sayat is perfect. There you I go. Just, just need a really fast French car. So at the moment, we've done quite a few of the games. Are you going Man City to win Champions League, Eddie? Um, yes. Again, I wouldn't. I put it in the same classification as the FA Cup final. I wouldn't. I don't say it with sort of total confidence. Just in part, just because they have to beat you know, three good teams to win it. And that's not the case for everyone else. Yeah. So who would so they have again next round? Either they'd have to play either Lyon or Juventus. And then in the following Sorry. one, they'd have to win. They'd have to play one of Napoli, Barcelona. Let's rule oh. Chelsea out. Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich. So you would, if it kind of went to form, you'd assume they're playing Juventus in the next round. And then probably Bayern but that's, but you know possibly yeah. Barcelona I, I think what about Barcelona like Barcelona have a are obviously going into the what is their away leg um with a one-all draw Barcelona looked really bad after the restart everything coming out of Messi is really bad news for Barcelona just his frustration in terms of the quality of players around him and their recruitment policies over the last few years He's obviously incredibly unhappy. They looked really disjointed. I watched several of their matches after the restart. They just, the kind of fluid attacking football that you associate with Barcelona. Like even in matches before in previous seasons where Barcelona maybe slipped up, you always expected them to look dangerous. And maybe they didn't take their chances or they made some defensive mistakes or 
the other team just scored a couple of really good goals. But you were watching matches where they were they were laboring to get shots on target. And that was the most surprising thing. So I mean, they seem to have a real propensity to mess up at home at the moment as well. I know I, I, you said away, but I thought it was home for some reason. The the next one, I thought Barcelona. The new oh camp. no, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Sorry. And yeah, and yeah. they've got a real propensity to mess up at home. Like I remember, like six seven years ago, if you saw Barcelona minus two at the new camp, you, you'd take it. Like it was it was such an easy bet. But at the moment, they just seem to have these two all draws and they go two nil down within 18 minutes and then just have to claw it. it they're, they're, they're facing a real cliff edge moment, Barcelona, you know, it, Madrid look good. Real Madrid look good. And Barca really are on a cliff edge moment. Like they could be, they could be shut out of La Liga for like five years or so. The way. Well, Madrid it's definitely because Bar- Barcelona have such an aging squad in the sense that uh, they've got very good, some, you know, like Fatty and some other players in there who are talented looking youngsters. But they are looking at a, um, an aging Messi, an aging Suarez, and those are the two players who, over the past few seasons, have when when they needed a performance, are the ones to do it. Griezmann just hasn't looked that great. You know, he's kind of had games where he's been great, but he's not consistently delivered for Barcelona. So you are, in a sense, maybe looking at replacing their front three or radically changing their approach, and that's not and easy. This- and they're still getting rid of Dembele, aren't they? He never really seems to... It just seems to be this weird half and half where one minute they're like, no, we're going to integrate him into the team. Next minute, they're looking at loans to the Premier League kind of situation. It's a tough one because basically, you know, how do you... And I think this is the issue when you have a player like Messi. How do you go about uh, developing players around him or developing a... Not even about thinking about a replacement. But just the idea of bringing young players or new signings into the squad and filling them with confidence when you have a team that is fun, like primarily built around one player, built to make that player succeed, he's never going to miss a match unless he either is injured or want, you know, sort of wants to or needs to sit out. So you've kind of put yourselves in this situation where no one gets to take on more responsibility, really. And particularly as long as Suarez is still playing, you then have that sort of secondary role also occupied by another player but i mean the only thing that's lucky for them is i don't think napoli are great and so even an an off-color barcelona should be able to beat napoli i mean for me i think you're looking at it's not a bold prediction it's just i think you're looking at city bayern which is a great semi-final and then you're looking at atletico psg and for me, I, I see Atletico. I, I just think they're just a cleverer team. I, I just think they'll have the um, same way they beat Liverpool. I just think they'll have the means to beat PSG as well. So I, I think for me, the final will be City, um, Atletico. And I, I still see City winning. So I think we've probably got the same, same outcome, just probably a different opposition. Yeah, I would, I would, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say City, PSG. And I would, I'll, I would think City. What about uh, Frank? Across the pond, what you got? Pulisic. No, I think Chelsea to beat Bayern. Yeah, no. <laughs> I would probably choose City. I, the thing with, I just can never trust PSG anymore. They're just so unreliable. And Atletico are that team that just always seems to like. Whenever you bet against them, they annoy you and get a good result. Whenever you bet for them, they play their shitty like zero zero two shots on goal type of match. So, but they're always well, they're, in it. You know, it's, it, it's always been said about Atletico Madrid. They're like a Sayet. They're, 
<laughs> they're unspectacular, but reliable. Super reliable. Super reliable. reliable. And this part, of the podcast, this part of the part of the podcast has been brought to you by the new Sayat. <laughs> Call your local Sayat. We don't know Sayad what it dealer. is. I don't know the name of it, but whatever it is, it's amazing. <laughs> Damn, we needed those sponsors. <laughs> Soon. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that kind of wraps up the Champions League coverage. Um, I think Europa, but I think United are going to win. I think that's, I kind of like that bet. I think this, that's a good chance for them to k- build on this momentum they've had at the end of the year, get a good result there, and then bring it into next year with some optimism not that they're going to break the top two but to be more competitive i'm gonna go with rangers for any kind of throw speaking of I, I, hey, aren't rangers I, aren't rangers three nil down from the first <laughs> yeah I, th- I think miracles can happen right you know st- <laughs> I'm i saw go, they um, started back up already huh yeah they had week oh. the first week yeah. of the scottish <laughs> premier well the scottish football league season kicked off this that new so, season's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. So Celtic had a very comfortable win yesterday. They won five one. Rangers beat Aberdeen, which, you know, Aberdeen over the last few seasons have usually been, you know, the the sort of challenger to the Rangers Celtic dominance. Yeah. So you'd have to say winning getting their season underway with a with a win away to Aberdeen was a good result for them. So we'll see how long they can keep up with Celtic, but I'm sure it will follow you know, Celtic are chasing. I think this will be their tenth league, tenth consecutive Jesus. league title if they I mean, win this season. So, so all right. Here, here's a question: If they were in the Premier League, where would they be? How competitive? So um, this is always the complicated one, and the the debate about them joining. I'd say, I mean, when if you went back about fifteen, twenty years, it was a pretty big debate that Rangers and Celtic wanted to join the Premier League. I think if you put Celtic in in their current squad in the Premier League, I think they would be relegated. The argument would be that if you put them in the Premier League, you gave them Premier League money, they would obviously improve their team. And I think they could probably pretty quickly establish themselves as a sort of comfortable mid-table side. Okay. What about like five years ago? I still think I'd still think still relegation. Same. I, same I, thing, I, yeah. I do. But like, as Eddie mentioned, I think the thing is they've got Celtic Park, what is it, 50, 60,000? You give them Premier League league money they they can probably give it five years time if as long as they weren't relegated they could probably keep themselves in it but yeah if you could if you could if they could survive that first season and and the obvious obviously the argument too is if they were in the premier league much much you know the it's more attractive to say go and play for celtic with the history of that club has than to go and play for southampton i don't mean that with any disrespect to southampton but (laughs) <laughs> you know, Celtic are a, historically speaking quite a big club. They've had European success, yeah. Yeah. so they've had some massively famous Champions League right, nights as well. There, yeah, uh, they they they've beaten, they've probably beaten every major European team at Celtic Park. I'd probably say like Juventus, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, probably Madrid. I'd probably say they've beaten them all at Celtic Park at some point, but they've got some pretty good players. They've got the what is it like Dembele? Um, what's it called Eduard as well? No, Dembele's um, gone. He's he plays for Lyon. Is he gone now? Oh, wow! Well, two years ago, I, I think. Really? Yeah, I, say, I thought I, I thought, thought there was another Dembele there. And even I, I thought there that. was another Dembele there. Oh, you're thinking of the teenager Dembele, the yeah. sort of seven, the sixteen, seventeen year old, the English Dembele. Yeah. 
because they've got okay. young, you know, they've got yeah, they young have, and they old have, players. They have, they have you they know, have, still... yeah, yeah. No, they have the young player breaking through the midfielder Nembele. But he's... Oh, and they've got um, what's the defender called? That's probably now going to oh, leave. Um, Virgil Ayer? Van Dijk? Is that who you're thinking of? No, no, I'm thinking of Christopher. Um, is he, wait, is he still there? Is he? Is he still? Christopher Ayer. Yeah, I think he might be. But, but the I, 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 predict they, good, they... I predict big things for him. If he can just, if he can just work his way into the Premier League, you know, maybe sit it out with a smaller team like Southampton or something for a little bit of time, then maybe he could get his chance to at a, you know a big club. <laughs> Sam, Sam's inability to remember Celtic's team has driven away our one Scottish fan. <laughs> yeah. he, has, he has thrown one, his phone in anger and will never download us again. <laughs> yeah, that, that review from SBL hashtag one, that, that's, that's not going to be a good one this week. But no, yeah, I mean, Celtic, I, but Sam's point at least does touch on the one thing that Celtic's recruitment policy over the last 10 years, they've been pretty good at identifying some very talented players. And now the argument might be, would they lose out? Because I think the advantage for Celtic is what they get to sell some players on is we pay pretty decent wages, not by bigger league standards, but like pretty decent wages. You get European football. You get exposed to basically, if you play well for Celtic, every Premier League club is going to know about you. Mm. And because we are playing for Celtic in the SPL, we cannot command a transfer fee high enough to stop you from being bought by basically anyone. Yeah. You know, if no matter who you are, if you come in for 20 to 40 million pounds, which by now, you know, by sort of modern day money is not huge, you can buy any Celtic player. And so Do I think that, that works well for them. If they were in the Premier League, you couldn't say that because they couldn't go and buy, you know, they're not going to sell. They wouldn't have sold Van Dyke to Southampton if... Celtic had been playing in Premier League football but struggling. And also, let's be honest, if they go in the Premier League, you're kissing goodbye to European football for a long time. In the short term, at least, yeah. Maybe they get Europa League football in in a couple seasons, but yeah, it's definitely out the window. And now the other, then then the even bigger argument becomes: Is it would it be good for Scottish football to get rid of Celtic and Rangers? Because that's always one of those things where you know suddenly do you turn Scottish football into this? league that gets less attention because you've removed the two sort of reckon most recognizable teams but in terms of actually having a competitive league structure it's much much better i guess could you could you say you've already seen the kind of future that because you've had the welsh teams out of the welsh side of things and you you could hardly say the welsh league has developed massively um you know without what swansea cardiff wrexham are a weird excuse but yeah wrexham um, yeah, I think that's a little unfair. I think the drawing comparisons between the Welsh Premier League and the Scottish Premier League, I think some, I think again, you're just trying to piss off, piss off any <laughs> Scottish listeners that we have, because it's probably, and even just making drawing comparisons between Wrexham and Celtic. But <laughs> I was, there was, that's indirect. That's your comparison. I wasn't comparing. Okay, them. say Swansea and Celtic. Um, Sw- Swansea. I guess but no, I think I think I think the Scottish League would be much more a much more viable option even with yeah. without the big two. But my guess is, if I really had to think what would happen, probably what would happen is Aberdeen would or you know whoever was in War Hearts or whoever would be immediately best placed to become good would just fill the void left, and you would just have another big two who were the dominant teams. And so instead of Celtic or Rangers winning the league every year, suddenly it would be like, oh well. 
Aberdeen or Hearts win every year. Well, I mean, it's nice to see that that's back. And then we have Premier League back next month. And then we have a lot of things to start previewing in these next few episodes. I mean, we can do like another Premier League preview later down the road. We have, oh, PGA Championship starts, right? This Thursday. Yes. So we can talk about that on our next podcast. Do you yeah, have a quick we'll shout out, Eddie? Because it, it, it will drop after the first round. So do you have a shout out now so that that way when your guy is five under, you don't say, oh, I had him from the beginning. <laughs> uh, can I pick two? No. Does anyone no, else have a pick? Okay, if, if I have to pick two, if I only have to pick one, does anyone else want to make a selection before I, I narrow my two selections down to one? You, you can, you can gonna... give us two. I'll, I'll allow two. Who's, who are you going for, Sam? I'll leave you two to go first. Oh, wow. Okay, so pressure's <laughs> on me. And then now... <laughs> I'm going to go, I, I think I'm going to go Justin Thomas. I know that's not a bold pick, but after yesterday when I had my money on Brooks Kepka and he down the last three holes just literally sunk himself <laughs> and Justin Thomas did the opposite and played a great back nine and well, I don't know if you could say Justin Thomas did the opposite because he did he do his best. To th- he did do his best to put Kepka back into it. Well, he had that one bad hole, and then on the 18th, he saved himself. But he did, and the only thing I would argue about that is he definitely knew, knew. that Kepka had hit his, hit into the water. So yeah, what agreed. could have been a potentially tricky chip shot was suddenly like pressures off, and agreed. That- that probably really changes it because he was looking at it. If Kepka had just put his driver on the fairway, his tee shot on the fairway, then in the back of Justin Thomas's mind would have been, I need to put this close. Whereas he was basically flipped into the mode of, I just need to not drill this into the water. <laughs> I, I could like Kepka's, oh, that not like starting the back nine, I had him, I was super confident. He gets to that par five down one, and you're thinking, all right. Worst case scenario, he's, he's a hole behind Thomas. So he still has like that hole to give. Worst case scenario, you get a par here. You try and pick up your last stroke on the last three holes or two holes. Best case, you get an eagle and you're up one. Decent case, you get a birdie on the par five. What does he do? He bogeys the par five. Like, come on. I'll, I'll give him credit that his next tee shot was then really into the rough and you thought he was done and he had imploded. And then he made that really, really nice putt to get the birdie on that hole to get that stroke back. And then you kind of thought, okay, maybe he can do this. And then next drive, he just puts it right in the water and it wasn't even his driver. It was like his layup option. Yeah. I think he took his three wood. I think. Yeah. His three wood or his hybrid or whatever the hell he hits. Like it was definitely like his safe shot. All he had to do is put it in the fairway and he just, Oh, that was so bad. What an idiot. So after that, I cannot take him. Fair enough. So I'll go. Well, I'm definitely going to have to. He looks solid. My my outside, total outside selection is going to be Brendan Todd, who is is 110 to 1 to win, (laughs) which to me is crazy just on the fact that he has been leading two of the recent tournaments going into the final day. Admittedly, both of those final days have been awful. Like it takes yeah. something to totally take yourself out of contention. Um, so if he's going to win, he probably needs a 10-shot lead going into Sunday. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've discussed this before. I think that's one of my favorite things about watching golf 
is the mental aspect of it. I love to see guys like that where you can just, you, you can look into their eyes and you can see they're about to implode under any tiny amount of pressure, you know, or just the, like- The other weird thing to me just, about Brendan Todd- Just play Todd, your game. <laughs> he has this, not to start like judging people or anything. He has this really weird face where he looks like a computer generated character. Like he looks like a character you should be playing in, in, like in Tiger, Tiger, Woods Wo- Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy. His face just kind of, and he always has like clearly suntan lotion like applied, but it's like not, it's not completely sort of dissolved into his skin. So there's all these, these like traces on his cheeks and stuff. He just looks, he doesn't fill you with confidence when you, when you want him to win, that's for sure. But at the same time, it's weird because saying the, you know, in the, this weekend, the first three rounds, he was sinking every putt. There was, you know, like any sort of one of those, you know, he had a six to 10 footer or something, those kind of putts that you think you need to sink if you're going to win the tournament. He was doing it and with total confidence. And then Sunday came along. I mean, arguably, basically, I just think he wasn't aggressive enough. And I think that's what the Modi needs to flip into. He needs to understand that if you're going to win this thing and, you're, and you've got two to three world-class players chasing you, especially once they flip into the mode where they know I'm going to have to close a three-shot shot gap to, to win this tournament. So they get to flip into the I've got nothing to lose. I'm, I'm, get, I'm taking on this course now. If you just yeah. go for course management, I'm, I'm going to get some pars. You're not going to win. Because what's going to end up happening is one of them is going to get two to three birdies in four or five holes and suddenly your lead is gone and they're feeling confident. And now you, you've just had nine pars in a row and you're worried that you've got to find a birdie somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with golf too. I don't, I don't particularly understand why going into like a fourth round, you'd then want to play that conservative game because if you're playing a conservative game to maybe shoot one under, there's a decent chance you just hit two or three really poor shots and you go from, one under to three over versus if you're more aggressive, you're still going to hit those three bad shots. But then if you're more aggressive, maybe you can get a few back early on and be three under and then have that leeway to kind of lose those strokes. You're most likely going to lose unless you shoot the perfect round. You know, I, I never get the come out and play conservative route. I understand if you have four holes to go and you're up four, then you play conservative, but I understand coming out having an 18 holes to play while you're like, I'm just going to shoot to try and shoot one under today. You know, it was also particularly weird because I believe the first four holes of that course were the lowest scoring over the weekend. So he came out and was pretty conservative on those first opening four holes. And you, in a way you kind of think, well, you just, you just sort of skipped the part of the course where you were likely to go one or two under. And now you're going to have to find those birdies on a tougher part of the course. That to me is the re- real thing where you, where I don't get it. That's when you knew he was sort of in trouble. When he came out of those four holes and you thought, if you're going to win this tournament, you probably need it to be at least one under after four. And he was even par. And even though he still had his lead at that point, you started to think, wow, this is not a great sign. Yeah. And I, I would have said another one of my picks probably would have been Ricky Fowler had he not then started the round four off decently and then had one of the worst implosions I've seen in a really long time from a really good player. Ricky Fowler made made Todd look totally composed. 
like he almost missed the cut by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> they almost had to go back and say like, no, actually, we're say the you, you missed the cut. <laughs> yeah, no. He was he was eleven under, I think, at a point, and the next thing yeah, I yeah. looked, he was six he, under. he was tied for he. I believe he was tied for the lead. I think when it was think eleven he was. under, he was tied for the lead, and he he, was. he went at that moment in running, he was favorite to win, and then within three holes, he was basically like off the board. Yeah, it was bad. But so after, after if, if he had just finished maybe like 10 under, I'd say, you know, he played a good, a good four rounds there, but I don't think you can take someone off of that. But it is, it is dull because Thomas does seem the logical pick based on how he, he's been, I mean, just in general, how he's been playing recently. The other thing that's good about Thomas too, is he's, he's just a reliable putter. And yeah. that's nice to have. Like the thing that worries me about if you do even take someone like Kepka and like, obviously the, the margins we're talking about in like short game skill is so small, but you just always feel that there's that risk that is not quite as reliable. Why I'm going to be, that, I'm going to be like semi bold. I'm going to take Rory, even though he's third in the betting. So it's not that, not that bold of a pick. And he has been awful since the restart. <laughs> I mean, but, that tournament came down to, to Kepka's short game on that par five. I mean, he had that chip, like he laid up and he had that chip on that par five to just kind of get it close, maybe get a birdie, worst case, get your par. And then he chipped it, what, like 20 yards past the hole. Well, that was almost. a weird one because, I mean, he obviously didn't get a clean strike on as clean of a strike as he wanted. It was weird because I, I'm going to guess if he went back and he said where he wanted the ball to land, it landed exactly where he wanted it to land. It just didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, it didn't check at all. And it was kind of, no. it didn't look like he'd sort of scalded or something. So it was a bit of a strange one that you just yeah. thought it would have, but I don't know. But yeah, that's where he lost it. Yeah. Um, and that's like a, you know, if, if I had to choose between him or Justin Thomas in that situation, I think, you know, Thomas is the more reliable guy there. He, yeah. just, he you just also more solid. You had Matthew Fitzpatrick who looked really good. He's forty-five to one, so you maybe uh, he continues that form on. That's in. I mean, you guys got you guys you got guys like Jordan Spieth at fifty-five to one who hasn't looked great, but you never know he could. He's looked that. awful. He's looked awful. I think fifty-five. I wouldn't to say one, awful. I think fifty-five to one is n- not a good value on him. What, I mean, what did he end up this tournament? He wasn't. I mean, he was what like seven under. I think he finished, didn't he? I don't remember what his final score was. You know, I mean, what, you know why I can't remember what you know why I can't remember what his final score was? It was never because on the leaderboard. He was not involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't tracking Jordan Speed's round. Do you know what's annoying though? They still constantly show him playing. I hate oh, yeah. that. I they hate just, when just whenever because you're one he's of those like a semi popular player. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Like it's and, so and it, it's also one of those things, especially when it's kind of gets to the when it gets to the witching hour of uh of, <laughs> Ooh. Of, uh, yeah when it gets to the witching hour of the tournament and they are just cutting around and sometimes they don't even really have time to tell you who the player is. So sometimes you just see a guy hit a putt and then it, you know, it's like a 20 footer and it tracks in and you get the reaction and then you, you haven't quite figured out who it was or what their score is. And then the commentator will be like, Jordan Spieth making a late move on Sunday, only eight (laughs) shots off the lead now. (laughs) (laughs) Can he mount a comeback? There's a commentator on the sky and I feel I feel bad because it's just like on Sunday I watched both the European tour event and then I watched the PGA tour event. So it was a lot of golf for me. And uh, not that they were the same commentators, but then having watched a lot of golf recently, a lot of the Sky commentators keep user relying on this. They'll be like, uh, 
he's been having a rough day, but that's a glimmer of hope for him. And they say it just over and over again. So they'll be like, John Rahm, seven over par on the day. He needed that birdie. That's a glimmer of hope for him. <laughs> like a glimmer of hope for what? Can for, we also some... talk about, can we also talk about the, the I guess, as a wrap up to the golf? Did you see uh, Bryson DeChambeau's like meltdown over the ants? Oh my God. No, I did Wait, not. I no, missed, no, no. I missed, I missed us, the DeChambeau meltdown. So on day one, I think it was day one, he hit himself into like into the trees and hadn't, he had, he like his positioning was okay, but he had basically these twigs directly in front of his ball. So it was not, it was a very tricky lie. And he then claimed he saw one fire ant and that he was, and then he looked at this, he called one of the, <laughs> the rules officials over. And if you are, you know, if your ball is in, in an ant, uh, like on an ant hill or by yeah. a swarm of wasps or something. In an alligator's take, mouth. You, you can take a drop for relief, a free drop. So he was, he was arguing that he, his ball was located on an anthill and that he needed, he was asking for, was he allowed to take relief? Oh and God. also that it was an animal hole because there were animal <laughs> holes around him. And they proceeded to have what must have been like a six or seven minute debate. You can watch the video and they debated. And the, the rules official, like the caddy is, Dishomo's caddy is like, what constitutes a hole? And the rules <laughs> official is like, I don't know, a hole? <laughs> and then Did they have to bring in like a veterinary expert yeah. and then in the end they just decided not to give not to allow him he didn't get relief and then he kind of and that at that, at that point he was he was up with the leaders he was like four under par or something at that point on day one and then he just fell apart and like mentally he was done but then the only thing i liked about it either then on friday or saturday kepka basically hit himself into an ident it was friday it was the day after into an identical situation and as he was but not with the twigs and stuff around him but basically in the same patch of woods and as he was standing there waiting to take his shot Kepka which got caught on the microphones Kepka was like oh wait wait is that an ant it's <laughs> <laughs> good for the band so I love that he trolls him yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well the, it's weird golf, because seeming golf needs they, to make the final day one time like you just have to hope that the cards play right and it's DeChambeau and Kepka in a finals on the same uh, like pairing. Well, that, I mean, bet, that's the thing. Not, but. No, I mean, that's what, that's where, that's where I feel like golf has missed a trick because you would have hoped that this, like no fans would have allowed for to hear more interactions between the golfers. Yeah. And it hasn't really changed. And you would have thought that, especially because when they're doing the flipping from golfer to golfer, it's all on the delay anyway. So at that point, why can't you just have basically every player mic'd up knowing that you're never going to have him like no. say something awful yeah. and have it go on TV, but you're going to get some funny interactions between them, which you get anyway, just because of the microphones positioned around the course, but just to get more of that. And also that's what I liked when you listen to the, the like Mickelson Brady yeah. Manning game, just that's even listening to too. their strategy, like listening to a really good golfer, when he's really plotting out, okay, this is what I'm going to try and do. Like, I like that when you can hear a caddy and a player like yeah. plotting their, like really planning their shot and they're talking about like winds coming in. I'm going to put it like just out here, let it fade back in. We want it to land right there. It's going to roll down. And similarly, even with the Manning Brady thing, what was really cool about that too was listening to Woods and Mickelson read the greens for them yeah. and just seeing that how well awesome. they, 
how well they that read the crazy. green. So they're just like, just just two balls, just two balls right of the cup. Yeah. And like never wrong, you know? That's and the it's, impressive. It's, it's also like one of those things, you know, we've talked about before where they're saying stuff where you almost have to question whether it's a real thing that they're talking about, you know, where it's, they're so detailed. Like you see how there's like that one grain of grass right there that's like slightly not cut as much as the rest the ball's gonna cut sharply as soon as it hits that it's like come on buddy yeah you don't know if they're just trying to like we got to make this sound complicated so that not everyone thinks they can become a professional golfer yeah like the The only thing is ball go left (laughs) yeah the only thing holding us back was not that is that we can't be like the apex of the putt is going to be right here yeah and also with regards to that the mickelson match play it'd be nice to see more charles barkley commentating because that was a treat. Yeah, I liked Barkley. And I'd <laughs> like to see more of Barkley interacting with players during their round. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think you're right. They, they should be mic'd up just like that. Because I think a lot more people did enjoy it. I mean, there was a lot more talk on social media about you know, the inner, like the actual interactions of them talking. And it, it wasn't, they weren't on Twitter and stuff showing their great shots, except for that annoying ass Brady nice shot he had otherwise playing a terrible round but the thing that they kept talking about the most was like they'd replay that clip of Mickelson breaking down that putt where people were just amazed at how accurate he was and how detailed that's what was neat about that match well that's the other thing too is so like in the European tour event um, it was basically being contested between a number of players going into the final few holes who'd never won the European tour event before. So they were all pretty nervous. There were one or two moments when someone with a boom microphone though, well, or a microphone on a stick was able to speak to them as they like hit their tee shot. Then he'd go up and say like, how are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. To me, that's really interesting. And I don't know why as for golf, it, obviously I can see why some players would say, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to interact with a commentator mid round. But if someone who feels comfortable doing that, why wouldn't you say to them, yes, I'm happy to be mic'd up and you can ask me like between holes or after a shot, you can ask me what I was thinking or how am I feeling or what I'm going to try and do. Yeah. That would be super. And in other sports, right? Like there's other sports that mic players up and allow interactions like cricket has it where. Cricket with the big bash, isn't it? They do that. Where Where they commentators. Yeah. Where the, the, the commentators literally just before the captain you know, the captain makes a field change or they make a bowling change and they'll, they'll just dial in and go, why'd you do that? And I think that's great. And also, I just think the golf, the charisma personality, I do think shines through in golf because of the lack of those opportunities. So if someone does take those opportunities, I mean, people, people sponsor like charismatic golfers and things like that. It makes it more interesting. So I, I think it's a good idea. Just, you know, it's almost like a, did you mean that? Because there's sometimes when I look at golf shots and I'm like, like, really? Like, was that your thinking? Or have you just somehow got lucky with a bounce or something like that? Like, I would love that idea. I would love it. Pro- <laughs> there's a few professional golfers who don't really aim. And they're, they're, just, they're just like, man, I keep getting lucky 20 years in a row. You can imagine that on like Friday, just like, how did you do that shot? And he was like, I've got no idea. I just hit it. I just well, I, you know, there's, they did, they did, I think Titleist, I think it was Titleist who did it, or it was either that or TaylorMade. They did a series where they brought in a lot of their players and they would hit, they would put, they would just all drop balls at like the same area of on a hole and they would all hit. So it was like Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm. They were put them in a spit and they were just all hitting and they were talking 
the bit was just them talking to each other about how they hit things and even kind of giving each other tips. It was basically like imagining how they would discuss things on the range. It's really fascinating because you got to see like some of the things that they did, some of the other guys just couldn't do. And for example, at one moment, I remember watching one of them where Tiger Woods is trying to explain to them how to do something. And Rory McIlroy is just like, no, like can't do it. And like the way you're explaining it is not how a, <laughs> it's not how a human would tell someone to do something. Like he was just like Tiger Woods' mental approach to like where his hands are positioned and all of that. It's just not a normal way someone thinks about things. But then the person who comes out of it the worst is Dustin Johnson who just comes across as it like he kind of seems like an idiot who doesn't who really know what ball. he's doing yeah and it's just somehow like i just do this and it works like that was basically his you know like rory would be like oh yeah i put it like back in my stance for this like this is the reason why i do this john rom was like giving insights there's one where they're hitting out of the bunker and john rom is giving like tips from like sevi ballesteros and like this is how this is like how all the spanish guys hit uh, bunker shots because of Seve. Like he gives this one insight where he says that like Seve basically wanted the once the ball landed, he thought of it as a putt. So like whereas a lot of people chip out of a bunker and they're kind of like putting out like Seve's goal was like when the ball lands, it rolls, and from that moment on, I want to. Tr- I'm imagining the roll of the ball in the same way I would imagine a putt from yeah. that distance. Got it. Which seems obvious, but it's not the way most people like would imagine their chip shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they're all sharing these little insights, and then Dustin Johnson's just like, "I do this," and he's just like literally <laughs> just, just swinging his club away, and he's just like in the background at times. The rest of them are all breaking it down, and Dustin Johnson's just like hitting balls like nonstop, just and obviously very well. Like I'm not, it's not no skill, yeah. But he's like not giving any insight. He's clearly just like hit ball, hit ball. Like I just love hitting balls, or maybe I'm just good at hitting balls. The, the Tiger Woods comment reminds me of, um, I'm pretty sure it was A-Rod speaking about Pete Rose. I've never heard that. I'm pretty sure it was Pete Rose. He said that, I mean, A-Rod, obviously, he's notorious for being a guy who just practices nonstop. He used to have, you know, that hitting cage from when he was four years old in his backyard, just hitting like thousands of balls a day. And he said he met Pete Rose one day, and Pete Rose was kind of just at batting practice, kind of giving some tips. And he said... Pete Rose was telling him stuff that he had never even conceptualized or had even thought about or heard from anyone else. And he's like, I thought, you know, being the type of dedicated person I was, I've heard everything. And then Pete Rose came out and just completely blew my mind. Like he was at a whole different level of a baseball swing than anyone else. And that reminds me of Tiger Woods, you know, just, he's like, doesn't think as a normal human would. And there was even that recent thing with Tiger Woods. I saw he has like his, um, his golf club workshop have you ever seen that where he has thousands upon thousands thousands of clubs just in this workshop and he he himself tweaks them and and like changes the the angles and changes the lengths and it's it's crazy i mean i can't imagine any other golfer being that dedicated yeah but at the same time tiger woods has probably figured out i either uh i either get this out and shave a little bit off the of this latest club head, or I go out and bang some strippers. So, <laughs> which, which it's part of his. It's he's part like worked of like, out. This is like part of his went to rehab. Like how he deals yeah. with sex addiction. He's like, I just the only thing I can do. It's like I got to play with one stick or the other. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was gonna make that same joke. Damn it. <laughs>
<laughs> he went to rehab and they said, you got to choose a stick. Yeah. <laughs> What's your preferred club? Yeah. Choose your weapon. <laughs> he, he, um, yeah, I mean, the Pete Rose one, I remember seeing on one of the like inside baseball or whatever, the, some Fox show where they had them, where they do that in-studio thing where there's like the mini baseball diamond. And they had Pete Rose with Frank Thomas and A-Rod. And it's the same thing. Like A-Rod and Frank Thomas are obviously two of the greatest hitters of the modern era. And Pete Rose starts breaking down like what he would do if he was in a slump and what he would do, you know, how he would do if he felt he was up against certain pitchers. And he kind of talks, he talks his way through all these things. And Frank Thomas and A-Rod are just there being like, I never thought about it. Like, that's such a good, that's such a good point. I never thought about it. And you're talking about like two of the greatest hitters in the modern era, both yeah. of whom are retired. And suddenly <laughs> they're getting this thing, they're getting this tip where they're like, oh, I, I wish I thought about that during my playing career. Yeah. And that almost brings cool. me on to my favorite Peter Rose anecdote, which is that when he told that story from when he was with, uh, on like a, a visiting U.S. troops in Vietnam and with, with Joe DiMaggio. And he talks about, uh, he talks about having to, there was a shower where he had to pull a, sh like the, the only way you could get water was they'd, you'd fill a bucket up with water and then someone else would pull a rope so that the water gradually fell on you as you were showering. So it was like a two man thing. Okay. And so he was there with Joe DiMaggio and he had to, uh, so he had to pull the rope for Joe DiMaggio as he was showering. And uh, his, his like <laughs> main insight. so weird. <laughs> his main insight into Joe DiMaggio, the question was like, so how would you describe Joe as a person? And he's like, all I can say is he's a penis with a man hanging from it. <laughs> <laughs> he said that to the troops. <laughs> no, he said that in an interview, but just uh, basically talking about how well, it, just talking about how well endowed uh, Joe DiMaggio was. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. And on that note, wow. <laughs> and on and that, that brings note, us, he, that brings us to, to Sam's He's never getting into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, that brings us to Sam's size queen corner. <laughs> size queen corner. Brought to oh. you by Sayad. <laughs> yeah, we lost Sayad as a sponsor a long time ago. <laughs> no, I think if we keep mentioning it, we'll just, you know, what else is Sayad sponsoring? <laughs> Well, we did reference we did reference Usain Bolt. We did reference Usain Bolt having an erection during a race. Is that the first? Oh yeah, episode? Usain Bolt's Usain Bolt's a Sayat guy, isn't he? They've got Usain Bolt. They need us too. Yeah, it's okay, a natural partnership. I'll, I'll start firing out the email. See what we get back. Frank, if you did, if you had to sprint outside a bar against Usain Bolt, what distance would you choose, and how much of an like how big of an head start in terms of meters? would you need to feel confident over that distance? Okay. I would have to go probably 25, 30 meters. As the length of the race? The or you're racing? The, the length of the race. Okay. You're, you're 25 meter race. And what are you starting? 24 meters ahead of yeah, yeah. I would say let's go five meters. So at a 30 meter race, you have a five meter head start and you'd make yourself favorite. Yeah, no way he gets me. No wait. way he gets you. Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking how we normally race in the streets of Paris at like three in the morning after a full night of beers, shots, and everything else? I'm more interested to know, do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage for you? 
I think that's an advantage for me. Okay, okay. so you're, you're, talking you're about, allowed the days like, worth of prep. Then you I can like decide you, the days uh, worth of because, prep. <laughs> because I have, I have the experience factor of racing in the streets, drunken in Paris. Over I like him. how your confidence levels increase because you might have to race the fastest man on earth who famously <laughs> claimed to eat 20 chicken nuggets or whatever before every race. But you're yeah, like, but oh no, if he, if he ate badly and drank before his sprint against me, he doesn't stand a chance. No. Chicken wings and, and shots of Jaeger oh, are off two completely are different you, things. But are you drinking the same amount before the race? Like, like we're, we're just doing like a night, it's like a night just at a couple hours, Just a couple hours out. You don't have to go toe to toe on drinking, but you you've got to be committed to the night out and then the race. Yeah. Oof. All right, Sam. How big of a head start would you need before you felt comfortable? And <laughs> how over many what meters? Distance? How many meters am I allowed to close uh, to the could, finish? You, if it's a hundred meter race and you think you need a ninety nine meter head start, you can you can say that. <laughs> that would be pretty embarrassing for my. This is like I the game be. where you have to guess like the minimum number of, of words you need to describe all, right. all the other yes. words or something. He, he does it 100 meters in what, 9.8 seconds or 9.9, isn't it? Or whatever he did? 9.56 or something is the world record. 9.56. Okay. So, but so let's, just say, let's just say he's a little out of shape, so he's doing it in 9.9. 9.58. <laughs> I saw him do 9.56 once, but it must have been unofficial. I actually, actually I have, have a really no I have a really crazy story while Sam's thinking. I went to Bermuda a really long time ago, like when he was probably like 15, 16 years old, and there was this random uh like Caribbean Cup track meet that was just going on. So me and my parents were like, Yeah, let's just go see what's going on. And we watched, and there was this guy who raced and he just demolished everyone and i remember thinking like wow that was really really fast and i kept the program and then fast forward four years later it was me i watched i watched bolt race and I was like, <laughs> yeah no one saw that, that twist coming and, <laughs> yeah, no. and it was and it was sam <laughs> so it asked you a question crazy, i'm like, giving him five meters <laughs> yeah no i yeah, would it's... i would say like i've got no basis i can't remember the last time i ran a hundred meters so because when i when i go out on like an every day i don't really do that much or that quick so i'd probably say <laughs> you I'd just probably go out want... and just sprint to the streets of london <laughs> <Yeah>. just, just, <laughs> just full-on like zombie chase mad sprint through the roads yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's maybe on your left <laughs> screaming as you go yeah. just screaming usain as you run through <laughs> i'd probably say i want probably want a fifth or a quarter off him like 25 so, meters so wait which so you're racing 100 meters and you think if you had a 75 meter head start you win i still think i probably need more right I let's think say i probably need about <laughs> no. 40 let's do let's do i would probably say i need let's just go really easy here maybe half so give me a 50 meter head start on a 100 meter race and i think it would be close no you should win no no, that, come on. Because think about it. If he if he's not in full training, so like let's what say would he you runs a ten second. Yeah, let's, let's, you're let's, running. You're running. You're not running. Uh, even over a hundred meters, you're running a sub twenty second hundred meters. 
I would you hope. can run 50 meters in 10 seconds. If you can't do that, Sam, sure you need so. to start running. I the sure hope Monday. so. I sure hope <laughs> so. If you're not doing that, I, then, I don't know. I honestly, I, I've time got to no, start training for the I've got no basis. Like you two seem to have a better basis of my metabolism and ability <laughs> than I do. But I, I think you could I, probably I run 100 30? meters. I think you could probably run 100 meters in 14 seconds. I think that's optimistic. I'll say 16. Well, next time I'm over, we could give it a shot, right? Yep. Okay. Oh, you want to race me? Is that what you're saying? No, that's just you being competitive. I just want to see <laughs> what I'll do. <laughs> but okay, so I, I, think, I, I think I'd be around 14, 15. I'm going to really train hard for that now because I now know I've got like eight weeks. Eddie, do you have like insight? Is, is Usain Bolt going to be in Paris the same time? We're oh, yeah, I've invited him. Our guest, like next week will be, our guest next week will be Usain Bolt. <laughs> and uh, it's part of our Sayat sponsorship deal, actually. It was one of the, I negotiated hard with them. And I was like, look, <laughs> the money's nice. The free cars are okay. We're not that excited because they're just Sayats. But, but, <laughs> but what we really want is Usain Bolt comes on the podcast whenever we want him. And also we get to race him whenever we want to. So that would be a hell of an arc preview. In conditions <laughs> and of our choosing, you know, like if we just, if I call Usain up tomorrow and I say, look, fly to Paris, we're racing uphill. I'm racing seven meters. You're racing 112. You've got to do it. I'm afraid. <laughs> say it, say it's locked you in. But we got, we got magic city chicken wings for you. Exactly. Yeah. They're not McDonald's, but they'll have to do. We're not sponsored by McDonald's yet. That's for next year. Yeah, I can wow. take a while. All right, a few more episodes. All right. And we have some Casper mattresses for him. <laughs> You've just got a load in like your house at the moment. Have you just got like a ton of mattresses you need to offload? Well, I mean, just Casper just keeps sending them to me. You know, they heard episode one <laughs> and two and like we haven't actually agreed any official sponsorship terms, but they just sent me. I mean, I, I got at least so seven annoying. mattresses. I've got at least seven mattresses arriving a day. It's just something that would be so annoying. I hope I hope you haven't opened them because once you open them, you can't yeah. re-roll them. Oh no, I've got a mattress room. It just looks like I live in an asylum. <laughs> oh, does Tim stay there? Yeah, that's where yeah. Tim lives. We'll we'll get Tim on for the viewers. For the once, yeah, once so, the padded yeah. cell, once the padded cell has been prepared, that's. If, if you think Usain Bolt would be a great interview, wait till we get our friend Tim on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bring him in from Casper Corner, and uh, Casper Corner, <laughs> and he he can he can from the safety of a padded cell, he can share his stories with us. Yeah. All right. Well, I think on that note, we should uh, wrap up. Uh, we can. We got a lot more. Like I said, we can give a little more in-depth preview to the PGH championship and uh, we can see how terrible my hockey predictions are doing because the fourfold I predicted every team lost the first game. So that was a good start to that bet. Uh, so we can see if that bet is officially void after the first three games or not. Uh, I mean, can... I'll give you credit. I'm just going to, I once, I had a teacher in high school who on a multiple choice math exams, he said that if you got a zero, he'd give you a hundred because he argued that to get every question wrong, required the knowledge it took to get every question right. And in this instance, if all four of your teams get swept, I think you can just claim that as a win. That would um, be impressive. Well, the Rangers are already two down and they were a confident pick of mine. So it's not looking good. I'm not sure the gambling firms are going to agree with that sentiment. 
<laughs> I don't know. That could be a good promotional <laughs> offer. You know, like the Pat McAfee podcast, they just got, he just uh, got that big deal with uh, FanDuel. And as part of that, he gets to set these weird odds and promotions that his listeners can bet on. And he, yeah, it's really bizarre. Like some of them people, like he did one, they had one promotion where they were offering some team at like plus a hundred points and it was, and people just piled on it, obviously, because it's just not going to lose. <laughs> Fandle lost tons of money, but obviously they know that the long-term benefit to them is there. They'll, they'll happily lose that first bet. But those people will definitely reinvest and lose. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but yeah, we can hope for the same thing. If FanDuel's listening, you know, William Hill, Bet365, we could come up with some really creative markets for you. And maybe one of those markets is the lock of the week. If it loses in an embarrassing fashion, you still win. I so never if we were, said that pick was the lock. Oh, so we could do, we could do so Frank's lock this week would be Chelsea against Bayern, Bayern Munich, Munich. Bayern Munich to qualify. And it's like, <laughs> do you know what? Do you, do you know what? If if or no, the reverse. If it was like he just took Bayern Munich to win the match out itself outright. But then in addition to them not winning, they were also not lost like four nil <laughs> and were knocked out of the Champions League. You they still would pay out. Yeah, yeah, you'll pay out. That's I think quite it's a good. great. It's a yeah. great idea. It means that at a certain moment, you would go from hoping that your bet won to hoping that your bet lost spectacularly. Exactly. You know, you'd yeah. have a real shift in emotions. Yeah, it would just keep you on edge forever. I think. I think it's a great move. Hopefully, no one steals their this idea. If they do, we're coming for you. We'll bring that say at legal power behind us, and uh, we'll take you down. Start throwing mattresses at you. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All well, right. until Thursday. Yeah. Good episode. Make or sure Friday, you uh, Friday if you're listening. Friday. Yeah. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Yeah, can you follow, rate on Podbean? Uh, you can. Yeah, you can follow us on Podbean, and I think you can leave a review. I don't know if they can rate us. We'll right. be on Spotify as an episode. Podcasts. We'll be on Spotify as of episode five. So next week we'll appear on Spotify. You can follow us, follow us on Instagram, the big chill podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, the big chill podcast. And you can, if you have any feedback or you want to approach us with sponsorship deals, you can email us, us at the big chill podcast at gmail.com. Wow. Consistency, Perfect. brand consistency. It's the way forward. You don't know how much we had to pay. It's lucky we had those say at sponsorship deals because the amount of money we had to pay to get to get all of those handles is just impossible. All right. Well, there was this guy who loved guys. coffee and no, he, you're done. <laughs> we could have going to cut the deal. Yeah, gee, you know, you're right. We don't give no more free plugs for say at. We've dedicated enough podcast time to you. Double our deal, or else we're never mentioning sad again. Perfect. All right, talk to you later. Bye.